So much of our culture is centered around food. If you're familiar with the five love languages of how people give and receive love, I feel like food should be a sixth love language for like half of Desi people. I mean, like your grandma, your mom, they don't tell you they love you, but they cook for you. They show you their love through food. But the relationship with food can also be a little bit complex. Food can be a vehicle for racism and discrimination. Food preferences can be heavily forced onto you. And the worst thing of all, the Desi culture around forcing people to eat can feel like the opposite of love for a lot of people. So today I thought it would be fine to share a couple of stories from Reddit all about food so we can dig a little bit deeper into this topic. Let's get started. I'm Shree and welcome to Masala Takes. For those of you who are new here, I share my takes on stories from the internet and topics related to culture, identity, community, and human dynamics. For those of you who are watching this video on YouTube and you've been here before, you might notice that my setup looks a little bit different. I'm actually trying to figure out new ways to simplify my podcasting process and simplifying processes is not exactly my strong suit. So let me know what you think about this kind of cozy setup. I feel like with the Christmas tree, it looks great but I might just hang out here with a plain background even after the Christmas tree is gone. So let me know what you think and let's get started on this episode. We have a ton of stories all about food. So if you're hungry, grab a snack and let's get started. The first story is from a subreddit called Am I the A-hole where people post their stories and they ask for internet's judgment. So let's get started with the first story. Am I the A-hole for switching out my daughter's school lunches behind my wife's back? My wife, Sarah, 36 female, and I, 35 male, have an 11-year-old daughter named Lily. Lily had begun attending the 6th grade in September, but this problem only recently became a major issue. Sarah is Indian and makes great dishes that the whole family enjoys, and she tends to pack these lunches for Lily as well. She typically packs Lily a rice with a dal in a container or something similar, which Lily had no issues with in elementary school. However, Recently, Lily came sobbing to her mom and I about the lunches she took. The kids at school had begun making fun of her food, which absolutely made my heart break. I had struggled with the same thing at her age. I come from a Chinese family and would always take homemade food to school too. And when I asked her if she wanted us to report the problem, she begged us not to so she wouldn't be called a snitch or worse. When Sarah heard this, she simply contacted the principal, which I didn't want to resort to at first, and left the issue telling Lily that she wouldn't be buying school lunches and to just ignore the other kids. The same problem occurred every day. Lily would be coming home feeling extremely upset, and there were even times that Sarah would just yell at Lily for not even touching her school lunch. We both had talks with Lily about her culture and how she should be proud, have contacted the schools, but the school is ignorant of the issue. They simply had a talk with the parents and ended it there. And Lily isn't budging. I don't want her to starve because so many days she doesn't even eat her lunch. I know how brutal middle schoolers can be. And I didn't want Lily to feel insecure or upset, even if it meant making her take other lunches. But Sarah refused to make other lunches. I began to make other lunches for Lily, like sandwiches or sometimes mac and cheese, so she'd feel more comfortable eating it in school in front of her classmates as a final resort when nothing else worked. I would take Lily's lunch for myself at work and then pack her lunch early in the morning, which she finished and seemed happier when coming home daily after. However, this only worked for about two weeks until Sarah found out and she was infuriated. She said I was denying Lily her culture and she needed to learn to stop being insulted by the other kids, telling me I'm raising Lily to get whatever she wants. Is Sarah right? Am I the a-hole? I don't think that this dad is the a-hole at all. I actually think that this dad is really standing behind Lily and has her back and it's exactly what I would wish to have if I was a kid that was going through something like this. One thing I know for sure, 
um, as someone who was, you know, mildly bullied in middle school, is that middle schoolers, high schoolers, kids in general can be ruthless and mean. And being a kid is not an easy thing to go through. Like, I would never want to go back to high school. I would never want to go back to middle school. It is not easy being a kid. And if there's something that a parent can do to make their kid's life just a little bit easier, I say, just do it. Like, make your kid's life a little bit easier. And to some degree, I get where the mom's coming from. If the mom is Indian, you know, she has a mixed race child. She's trying to preserve parts of her culture and she's doing it through something that she loves and she can share and her family has enjoyed in the past, which is food. So I think taking that away from the mom is like, the mom is probably feeling like, but this is the culture that I'm sharing with her. And it's probably the last of it. There's probably not that much more culture. And why is this also being rejected? But I think what the mom has to realize, a couple of things. One is that life is really long. And just because your kid doesn't want, you know, to take dal to a middle school lunch while getting bullied, it doesn't mean that this kid is not going to love Indian food in her future. Yeah, and I think it actually goes the other way. I think by forcing her to take this food that she doesn't want to take for lunch, she's actually building a negative relationship with the food. And it's almost better if you want your daughter to have a healthy relationship with Indian food or Indian culture is to allow the daughter to set boundaries on how she wants it introduced into her life. She might actually build a really beautiful relationship with Indian food. Like that happened to me too. Growing up, I was one of the few Indians in my school, especially in like elementary and middle school. There was not that many Indians and there was not that many brown people. And I did face a little bit of subliminal discrimination. Like people made fun of my accent initially when I first moved to Canada. And then they said my food smelled and they had comments about my hair and they had comments about the way I looked. And there was just a lot of comments that other kids made. And one thing that my parents did a great job of is they kind of let me assimilate and be however I wanted to be. And because I got to set those boundaries for myself to some degree, like kids were still mean, but I was able to grow up and kind of build a beautiful relationship with my culture and my food that was on my own terms. And I got to decide how I wanted that to look in my life. And I feel like this mom is taking that away from the daughter. Right now I have a toddler and for the most part, sometimes she has her moods, but I decide what I'm giving her for lunch every day and for dinner every day. And I decide the kinds of cuisine I want to introduce her to. And as a parent, I get to decide if she's vegetarian or vegan or whatever I want to decide is what my kid is going to eat. But as your kid gets older, they need to have that authority in their own life. They need to have the autonomy. And when you're in middle school, like you're like 12, 13, 14 years old, you're entering your teenage years. You're in that kind of crux of your life where you're really figuring out yourself and who you are. And it's really messy already as it is. But that is really an important time for kids to learn how to make their own decisions to, within their limits, find some authority in their life. And I think that Lily has been so clear to her parents to be like, look, kids are mean to me. Don't make a big deal about this. You're going to embarrass me. And despite that, the parents went and talked to the principal, which I think was probably, you know, a good idea to at least get some awareness. But if nothing is being done, I don't know. I feel like it's just a really easy thing to make the daughter's life easier. Now, the original question was, is this dad the a-hole for making separate lunches? I don't think this dad is the a-hole for making separate lunches at all. I do think, though, it's really important for both parents to be on the same page. So I really wish that the dad just communicated it to the mom ahead of time so it wasn't like a secret because I don't think it's healthy to also teach your kids to be like, oh, don't tell mom because it starts with lunch and it might end somewhere else because, you know, your daughter's just entering her teenage years. But 
I do think that it would have been great to have that buy-in, but I also see why the dad was kind of pushed against a corner because Lily had been communicating this and Sarah, the wife, the mom, was just not receptive to any other option to make Lily's life easier. And I actually love, in a sense, that this dad, instead of pushing the mom to make more food, was just like, look, I can make my daughter's lunch. And that's like a really great parenting move. He actually had no problem getting his hands dirty and making mac and cheese and sandwiches. And I feel like Sarah, the mom, actually has a really great setup here where all she had to do is be like, look, I'm making dal and rice and curry and whatever it is every night for dinner. And that's what I'm going to be packing for lunch. But if you want something else, you're welcome to go ahead and make it. And it could actually be a great, you know, bonding opportunity for the dad and daughter. It's one less task for the mom to do, which feels like a win for the mom. So yeah, I don't think this dad is the a-hole per se. I think he was pushed against a corner. But overall, I feel like if you're making any big decisions involving your kid, even if you're kind of taking the leadership role to be like, I am going to be making her lunches whether you like it or not, it's something that everyone should have been made aware of before the fact. The top comment here has over 10,500 upvotes, and it really resonates everything that I was saying. It says that middle school is a time when kids are merciless to each other, but it's also a time when children want to fit in and when they start to exert control over those things that their parents used to do for them. This is important because it's a really hard transition. I can imagine it's a really hard transition after having someone so dependent on you for every single decision. So, so I do empathize with a mom on that perspective. And it also says that her dismissal of your daughter's concerns and wishes are bound to create resentment and will result in a massive blow-up when your daughter is older. Worst yet, it almost guarantees that she will reject all things related to her ancestral culture because she will associate that culture with conflict on all sides. Discuss compromises such as keeping the home foods for after-school snacks. But even more importantly, encourage your wife to listen to your daughter's concerns and to take her wishes seriously. I love this. I didn't actually think about what a healthy solution for the mom would be here. And if the mom is really feeling that food is this big part of her culture, this important piece of love that she's sharing with her daughter, and it feels like her daughter is rejecting it, I think there's a way that this dad can probably discuss a few compromises that the mom can come to where food can still be introduced to the kid in like a healthy, happy, beautiful way. Maybe it's on the weekends, maybe it's on the evenings, maybe they cook together. So that the relationship that the daughter builds with the cultural food and the culture is still a positive and happy one. So there are a couple of updates here as well, which I haven't read yet. So let's read those together. I showed the post to Sarah and it took about an hour or so, but we both sat down and talked with Lily on where she wants to go from here. And she said that she likes the lunches that I packed for her. However, we also figured out this bullying had been going on for longer than just two to three weeks. So Sarah agreed to let Lily take whatever lunch she wanted on the condition that she'd eat homemade food, Chinese or Indian, for dinner, breakfast. And we all agreed. Yes, love this compromise. So Sarah got her part in the say as well. As for the, as for the school, since the principal hardly did anything, we reached out to the school board superintendent and are still waiting for a response. I think this would solve the issue better too. And when we get a response, I'll post a second update. Here's the second update. The superintendent and school board were actually incredibly helpful and got back to us within two days to schedule a meeting about this. I don't want to go into too much detail, but there were two specific girls who played a big role in the bullying. I believe one of them got detention for some time and the other got suspended because she had done this before. Their parents were also super apologetic and supportive of Lily and didn't try to get into the way of consequences, which was really, really nice. 
As for Lily, she is doing much better and is definitely more content and happier when she comes home from school. Thank you. I actually learned something from these updates, and I think I've talked about this before, but as Desis, especially as Desis growing up abroad, we tend to want to not impose ourselves onto others and to kind of just accept things like bullying and racism as, oh, it's just a part of life and we just have to be more accommodating. And I think even Sarah, the mom, was like, you just have to deal with it. People are going to bully you. But this actually goes to show that you can take action and you can kind of be the change. And these two kids who got detention and got suspended, they probably learned something from this. And the kids who didn't, who saw this happen, also probably learned something from this. And as a kid who grew up in Canada, I will say there is an unintended consequence that may happen for Lily where people will be like, oh my goodness, she complained to the principal, she's a snitch, and it might cause a different kind of bullying. But it seems here that the bullying was fairly contained to a small group of people. And it's also great to see that the parents were also supportive in the consequences for the children. So the thing that I learned right now and the thing that I will be mindful about going forward as my daughter enters school and goes through life is that there is actually a benefit in standing up for yourself and fighting back, not physically, but through actions and through escalation for things that are unjust and things that are wrong. And that racism and things like that are not things that should be tolerated. Let's move on to the next story. Am I the a-hole for insisting that our kids eat food from my culture from time to time? My wife hates the smell and complains it stains the dishes. I'm Indian, Gujarati to be precise. Like all Indians, my regional food is the point of pride for me, and although I'm second-generation American, I still love my homeland foods. My wife is American, and our kids are obviously half-white, half-Indian. I've never taken an active interest in cooking Asian foods before, but all of a sudden I have time on my hands and I miss my parents, so I decided to reconnect with my culture and to start to cook for myself. Anyhow, I always clean up, etc., and use the regular old dishes and pots and pans, but my wife absolutely hates the smell of Indian food and says that not only does it stink, but my food is staining the dishes because I use a lot of turmeric or haldi. She says that our kids find that the food is too spicy, they're 7 and 8, and that it's upsetting their stomachs if I give them that food. I have heard zero complaints from the kids, although they do find it a bit spicy, but as a kid, I ate it and it's fine. They eat their food with a glass of milk and lots of roti and it turns out okay. Anyways, she has asked me to stop cooking and said it's not fair considering the dishes are stained and she thinks it's gross. I said, no problem, we can just buy some new dishes. And she said, well, it stinks. I said, it doesn't smell any more than any other food and we have the range hood that sucks up a lot of the smells. She also says she has to scrub the dishes and get the stains out. I personally don't see any yellow stains, otherwise I would do it, but apparently she does. Anyways, I told her that it's important to me and my culture, and I want the kids to experience it too. She rolled her eyes at me and said that it's just a phase and I need to be mindful because we're all at home together. She is usually incredibly respectful of our cultural and ethnic differences, so I don't know if I'm being the a-hole here or not. So I think what this wife is doing is actually a little bit racist, and I don't think what she's doing is respectful of your culture or ethnic differences at all. In fact, I'm kind of getting the feeling that if she was respectful of those differences in the past, it was probably because it was just convenient to her or it didn't bother her. First of all, I think it's like a literal crime to be Gujarati and be cooking Gujarati food and to not share those flavors with the people around you because Gujarati food is like literally like the top five foods in the world. I love it so much. But also there's so many compromises that could be made here. Okay, if it's the dishes that's the problem, I feel like this husband and dad has already come up with a compromise to be like, I'll buy you new dishes. We can have Indian food dishes 
and you can have dishes that you use, I will wash the Indian food dishes, that should be fine. And if spice is the issue, well, there's a lot of ways to make the food less spicy. And I totally get it. If the dad is like, I used to eat that food when I was a kid. Well, yeah, you also probably were introduced to that food when you were a young baby. So it was a lot easier for you to tolerate the spices. But there is a way to introduce the food in a more gentle and mild way. And also the smell, come on, like open a window, turn on the range hood, light a candle. There's so many things that could be done so that it doesn't smell bad. And honestly, like if I make pasta, the house smells like pasta. And if I make pizza, the house smells like pizza. And if I make Indian food, the house smells like Indian food. I don't think the smell is terrible. I think it's actually quite delicious. I also know a lot of people who are not Indian at all, and they still have like Indian food nights and they order takeout or whatever. So I don't really understand why this wife has such a huge aversion. And I do think it's kind of offensive. And this dad needs to be like, look, like, this is my culture and who I am is not a phase. This is something that I would like my kids to be exposed to. And I think that the kids deserve to be exposed to all those parts of their culture because they are half Indian and food is a part of it. And if they're not complaining and they like it, just make it a little bit milder and, and make it work. I'm failing to see at all how this dad is the a-hole. And I feel like this mom really needs to figure something out here. Okay, so the second top comment here has 6,000 likes and it has some great solutions. I'm going to share it. It says, you're not the a-hole, but cut your seasoning in half. If the kids need to cut it with milk, it's too strong. And buy a set of glass dishes to avoid the stains. That's a fair compromise. Honestly, your wife needs to stop being racist. She married an Indian guy. Moving on to the next story. Am I the a-hole for not letting my girlfriend eat the naan bread we ordered? First of all, and we know this, it's not naan bread, it's just naan. <laughs> my girlfriend and I got takeout from an Indian restaurant that we like and order from usually when our budget allows us. This place is really the only good Indian place anywhere near us, but it's very pricey. So we tried to keep our order small. One entree for me, one entree for her, and a side of naan bread that we share. The thing is, the side of bread isn't very much, and the entree just isn't the same without it. So it seriously annoys me when she eats the bread without dipping it in her curry. It's such a waste of the little bread that we get. I told her this before, but she says it's not my concern how she eats her food. Except that it is my concern because she's wasting a shared side. Whatever, I let it go each time. This time, she didn't order curry like she usually does. She got a biryani. So I was happy that I would be able to get the bread to myself. When we were eating, she reaches over for the bread and eats a piece on its own. I got annoyed and moved the bread away from her and told her she doesn't need the bread because she's not eating a curry and she doesn't need bread whereas I'm eating a curry and I do need the bread. Also that her entree comes with rice so she can just eat that. She got offended and she ended up threatening to not pay for her share of the food next time. She also called me a greedy a-hole and took her food and ate the rest in our bedroom. My friends are split. One of them says I'm in the right, but it's too much carbs for one meal for her to have bread and rice. But the other friend essentially also called me a greedy a-hole. It's been hours and she's ignoring me. Am I the a-hole? Before we even get into the story, is it weird that when people have these dilemmas, they like immediately tell all of their friends and get a vote? I even get kind of posting it on the internet because you get this anonymous sense of like, hmm, what does everyone think about me? But I feel like calling your friends immediately about a little spat with your girlfriend. I don't know. It seems a little bit odd to me, but let me know what you think or if I'm reading too much into this. Now my reaction to the actual story, I think it's super odd that this guy is telling his girlfriend how to eat. Like it's clear that they're splitting the expenses as well. So she is entitled to half the naan if that's like a shared side that they're ordering. But even if they were not splitting it, 
I don't understand why it's up to him to decide how she wants to eat her naan. If she wants to eat it by herself and then have a spoon of curry after or have a spoon of biryani, what is it to them? And if it's really that expensive that they cannot afford another naan, maybe like instead of having it every three weeks, you have it every four weeks, save up a little extra, get that second naan and everybody can just enjoy themselves. But I don't know. I just find this whole thing a little bizarre. And I think it's also even more bizarre that there's like this random friend chiming in to say that the wife is having too many carbs. It's not up to anybody to decide how many carbs someone is having. Very weird and not surprising at all that the overall vote here was the a-hole. The top vote had 82,000 upvotes. So this was a really popular post and people have really strong opinions on naan apparently. But it says, you are a gigantic a-hole. You don't get to decide for someone how they eat their food. Go say you're sorry before you're single. Now that is advice I can stand behind. So this next story that I'm going to share is from a different subreddit called Today I Effed Up. So they're not asking the internet for judgment, but these are just interesting stories of people who messed up and it starts an interesting discussion. So let's read the story. It says, Today I effed up by causing a scene at work because someone ate half of my lunch. This happened a few days ago, but I'm still feeling the after effects. At work, there is a lunch thief. Our boss has not done a single thing about it, despite the many complaints from multiple employees. I bet the boss is the lunch thief. So far, nobody has any idea who the thief might be. People label their foods and hope for the best. We have even been warned about how using certain methods to try to catch the thief could get us into legal trouble, so it's hard to catch them. I, like many others, have had my food stolen a couple of times. It's annoying, but I would grit my teeth and get on with it. Earlier this week, I packed myself a grilled cheese sandwich and a cupcake. I put a sticky note saying, property of different mango, that's the person's username, please don't touch. I was already looking forward to my lunch while laying in bed the night before. It sounds juvenile, but if you have ever had to hide from everyone or pretend not to be hungry during lunch, you probably know the good feeling you get when you get to be like everyone else. My lunch break came and I went to get my food from the fridge only to find half my sandwich and the cupcake wrapper. It was the last straw that broke the camel's back. I just started bawling in front of everyone. They gave me weird looks as I excused myself to the restroom. Now the other employees laugh about how dramatic and emotional I was about something so trivial. I have never been so embarrassed in my life. This is a terrible working environment because I totally get when you're hungry and you're excited about your lunch to find that it's stolen. That would be devastating. I might cry too. And also, what is this workplace where everyone is taking theft so very lightly but they say that if you do something about it, that there's going to be legal ramifications. Legal ramifications bigger than theft? That doesn't even make sense. I feel so bad for this girl. And I feel like what she needs to do, unfortunately, because this is a terrible working environment, is she needs to get one of those little cooler with the built-in ice packs and just like keep her food in her bag under her desk. Because I feel like that's the only way that she is going to be able to enjoy food in this terrible workplace. I feel so bad that this person feels embarrassed and sad for what happened because I feel like everyone should have really just been empathizing with her. Also, I'm like 90% sure that the boss is the thief because what kind of boss sets so many conditions in place so that a food thief gets away with it? Making a hostile work environment for everyone involved. I don't think it's trivial at all to want to eat lunch, especially when you have taken effort and time to pack a lunch. Now for this next story, we are back to the Am I the A-hole subreddit. Am I the a-hole for shutting down a girl's attempt to diagnose me with an eating disorder? I lost my left leg when I was very young from a hospital-acquired infection. I have a prosthetic leg, which I use for walking and another one for running and exercise. When I was on my parents' health insurance growing up, I got refitted regularly as I grew up. 
but now I'm too old to be on my parents' insurance. And while my company's insurance is considered very good, getting a new leg or getting adjustments for body weight changes are still expensive. I expect to be paying a fortune if I get pregnant. So I try my best to stay the same weight. And if I gain some weight, I can immediately feel it becoming less comfortable as I walk. Anyways, a friend's girlfriend and I were talking and she began remarking on how I'm not eating that much. We were out to dinner and I was just having a soup and salad and everyone else was having baby back ribs. I'd stolen a few of my boyfriend's plate, but generally I was trying to eat light. I said I was trying to lose a few pounds and she immediately assured me I was beautiful the way I was and said I didn't need to lose weight. I told her I know I am, but losing weight helps with my mobility. She began diagnosing me with an eating disorder, saying I must have a delusion I was very heavy and having issues walking. I was angry, and she sounded super condescending, so I blurted out that she had no business talking down to me about my weight, even if it was to tell me not to change it. The other people overheard, and the girlfriend got really embarrassed and left with my friend soon after. My boyfriend thinks that I should have explained why I needed to keep my weight the same, and I don't think I should have to pull out my disability to get her to shut up. With long loose pants, it's often hard to tell I have a prosthetic leg. I don't know if she knew, but I didn't feel like justifying why my weight needed to stay the same. But am I the a-hole for shutting down her attempts to diagnose me with an eating disorder? First of all, this person does not ever need to explain to anybody why she wants to put on weight or lose weight or maintain her body weight. What she eats is entirely her decision. And frankly, she was eating a pretty good meal. A soup and a salad is a full meal. She did not have to have baby back ribs. And I think it's so weird. It's not even like a close friend. It's like a girlfriend of a friend that was there felt the need to make all of these comments about food and weight. That's so triggering because you don't really know what people are going through. And I also kind of hate for her that her boyfriend was like, oh, you should have explained your disability. It kind of feels a little bit ableist to me to be like, oh, you should keep having to explain yourself because it's okay for somebody else to have these opinions about you. It's not okay ever. And I will say this as a Desi person, this is rampant, rampant in Desi communities where you literally see anybody and the first thing that they comment on is your weight. And I have felt this growing up, even as a skinny person, because they see aunties, especially, they just love to like give you lots of food and make sure you're full. And I am a good eater. I've always been a good eater, but I'm not like a very, very heavy eater. But they'll be like, oh, eat more, eat more. You're so skinny. And I think the worst thing is so many of these aunties were like, oh my goodness, you're looking anorexic every time I had a fluctuation in weight. And like, I was the kind of person that if I got sick, I would tend to lose weight when I got sick. So my cheeks would be a little bit hollow after and then, you know, I would put it back on again, but it was always kind of fluctuating on the lower side. And every time this would happen, people would be like, oh my goodness, you're looking anorexic. I actually know someone who battled with some eating disorders and this person told me something that really resonated with me. I've only talked to her once about this and I learned so much from that conversation, but she basically told me that like eating disorders are kind of like an illness, like a disease. And Looking at somebody who's skinny and being like, oh my goodness, you're anorexic is kind of like looking at somebody who's bald and being like, oh my goodness, you look like you have cancer. Like, it's not a funny comment to make. It's not cute. It's not quirky. It's highly offensive, not just to the person you're talking to, but also to people who are actually battling that disease. And it's not okay to make comments on people's weight. I've actually felt this in the other direction as well. So when COVID started, I put on a little bit of weight. It was more weight than I had ever had in my entire life. It was probably still not a lot of weight, to be very honest with you, but I was heavier than I had ever been. You could see it in my cheeks. I had a little belly. But ironically, I was doing so much hiking at that time. I was at my physical best when it came to fitness. Like I could climb up flights and flights of stairs. 
I'm skinnier now, but I am less healthy now, I feel. And also, when I was at my heaviest point is when I had my first successful pregnancy. So I really felt healthy, but the way that people made me feel was so terrible because anytime I saw anybody in the community, and I'm not talking people in our generation, I'm typically talking about like aunties, but the first thing they would say was like, oh, you've put on some weight, what's going on? And the craziest thing is one of my mom's friends or someone had actually called my mom because I had posted a video online of me dancing and they had called my mom to congratulate my mom on my pregnancy and I was not pregnant. I was just a little bit heavier than I was in the past. And like, we need to stop doing that. We need to stop looking at people who are a little bit fatter to be like, oh my goodness, are they pregnant now? Or people who are a little bit skinnier to be like, oh my goodness, are they anorexic? It's not up to us to be armchair diagnosing other people's conditions. And you never know what somebody else is going through. You don't know the relationship with food. And when you don't know what people are going through and you say something, you don't know what impact is going to have. And you're contributing to the problem. There's someone that I know, they're like a distant, distant family friend, and it's very likely that they're going through some sort of eating disorder. This is something the mom is slowly sharing with members of the community. And the reason the mom even felt the need to share it is because every time this person faces the community, someone's making a comment about their weight. And because they're losing weight and skinny is still associated with beautiful, especially when it comes to like the older generation of Daisies or the older generation of anybody, people are looking at her and they're like, oh, you look so beautiful. You've lost so much weight. You're looking great. And it's actually encouraging these people to continue on in unhealthy behaviors because you don't know what that person is going through. Even if you're like, but I'm just complimenting them. It's just innocent. But it's like when you look at a person and the first thing you compliment them on is their body or their weight or their eating or something that's going on in their life or the way they look and you don't know what that person is going through, you are a part of the problem. So I would say if you find yourself doing that, Think of something else to compliment them on that has something to do more with the contents of their character and not the contents of what they look like on the outside. Like, oh, I've noticed you're working really hard in school. Like, that's amazing. Good job on getting that A. Those are things that you can say. And there are a lot of things that you can say to compliment somebody and make them feel good without it having to be about food and their body. And I feel like this is where the desi relationship with food fails people in a really, really big way. I got a little heated there, so let's move on to the next story. Am I the a-hole for refusing to cook a separate meal for my niece? I, 42 female, live with my husband, 45 male, and our daughters female, 18 and 16. We live in a different city from our families due to work. A few months ago, my sister asked me if her daughter Kate, female 19, can stay with us since she was attending college in our city. She was scared of her daughter moving away for the first time, especially to a big city like ours. I knew Kate from before COVID time and remembered her to be a smart and sweet kid. I discussed with my husband and we both agreed that she could stay with us. Kate moved in around two months back. She was fine, came home on time and let us know her whereabouts, no partying. The issue was with food. She had just turned vegan. Normally, I cook for my family. I cook just one meal for everyone. We are all dairy-obsessed people. Milk for cereal, butter in pancakes, cheese and everything, eggs are our staple. Kate needed separate dishes altogether and then we needed vegan substitutes for her. Since those were way more expensive, I told my sister that she should be giving money to Kate so she can buy it. She started telling me how family doesn't take money from family to feed kids. I told her that I would feed Kate the same as the other kids, but I can't spend excess money on her, and she said that's fine. Since her mom won't buy it, Kate started buying plant-based substitutes with her pocket money. For dishes like pancakes, I made food for her using her ingredients. 
But every time I made a huge non-vegan meal, she expected me to provide equivalent vegan meals. I drew a line at that. I can't spend so much time cooking another meal. She said that everyone else got to eat while she was left with only a few stuff to go eat. I told her that she's free to cook for herself and she hated that idea. It came to a boiling point last week when we had a barbecue dinner with friends. She got upset that her salad was very basic and she had nothing else to eat. She complained and I told her that she can cook for herself. She got even more upset at that and called her mom crying about how I didn't make any good meals for her and I expected her to fend for herself. My sister called me yelling at how I didn't love her daughter and was intentionally excluding her. My parents are also taking their side. First of all, if this 19-year-old was staying in a dorm, not only would she be expected to pay for her dorm, but she would also be expected to take care of every single meal. So I feel like the fact that this 19-year-old and her mom, who is heavily enabling this behavior, feel so entitled that this other mom, who has two kids and probably a job and a life of her own, has to make separate meals for this grown adult living in their house is... Honestly, I think a little bit entitled. And I think that it's up to this mom to be like, hey, Kate, you have this food dietary restriction. You didn't tell them about it before you moved in. And it's up to you to make sure that you have something to eat. You're a grown adult. So I'm really confused about the entitlement. But to some degree, I also get it because I've seen it. There's even the saying that basically translates to the guest is God. So you basically want to treat your guests as if they are God. You want to accommodate them. You want to make sure that they're comfortable. You're not going to ask them to spend a single penny. But the reality is that, first of all, there are financial and time constraints. And the second thing is like, if I had a guest that was staying for a week and they told me in advance, like, hey, I'm vegan, I would definitely make sure that there was a lot of vegan options for them. We were choosing vegan-friendly restaurants. I would do what it took to make sure that that person was comfortable for the week. And that too, that person shouldn't even feel entitled to that. But I feel like as a guest entering my home, I would do that much. But, but see, if this person was like, I'm going to be staying for months and months and I'm not contributing financially and I'm not going to help in the kitchen, I would probably offer something similar to be like, look, this is the food I make for my family. I'm happy to make an extra serving at my cost. But like, please figure out your own dietary restrictions. And, and in a way, I actually respect this person for setting those firm boundaries because I know when it comes to Desi hospitality, and I think that hospitality extends to a lot of different cultures, people feel obligated to want to support the other person, but they do it begrudgingly. They build resentment. They're not happy about it. They're like, oh my goodness, it's been such an expensive month because we have these guests staying and these guests don't pay for anything. Like you think it, but you still pay for everything for your guests because there's kind of this silent obligation. So I really expect So I really respect this person for setting those boundaries. I remember there was this guest. They had moved here from out of the country and they were planning to settle here. They didn't end up settling here, but that was the original plan. And my partner is the type of person to go above and beyond, very much embraces this guest is God mentality. And he doesn't even build resentment. Like he's a better person than me when it comes to this specific thing because he doesn't build resentment. He does it out of the goodness of his heart. But this person... I felt like was taking advantage of that hospitality. And I don't think they were doing it maliciously at all. I think they were super nice. I still really like them as a person. But what ended up happening was they kind of had this silent expectation that they were running on without really thinking that that my husband was going to open his wallet and pay for things when they were together. But this extended to things like her own groceries and her own essentials. And the crazy thing is every time that she would ask my husband's help for, you know, a ride to the store or a ride to the grocery store, I need to get some furniture, they would go out and grab some food and then he would pay for that. And 
this girl's like the type of girl who'd be like, oh, let's go to this restaurant. I've heard it's good. Let's order a drink. I've heard it's good. And she really doesn't understand the value of money because of her upbringing. That's one thing. But, but I think there was a couple of things layered in that she didn't think about. First of all, it was like this unconscious bias that, okay, she's a woman and my husband is a man and the man pays for things. And I think that's something she had become so used to. She didn't even realize the impact that may be having. So while my husband didn't build resentment, I definitely did. And I think that if you don't speak up and set those boundaries, you can really end up in a bad position. And the thing with undergrad is that it's a couple of years. So it's just getting started. And it seems that this niece is living there completely rent-free as an adult. And she might be living there for four years. So if that's the case, then I actually respect very strongly that this person is setting those boundaries to be like, look, I can't do this forever. This is not financially feasible. It's not feasible with my time. And I think that it's absolutely okay for a grown woman to go into the kitchen. So we talked about a lot of things today, all about food, and I am getting really hungry. So I'm going to go have some lunch and I will see you next week for another episode of Masala Take. See you then. Bye.